1: Hello and welcome to Ask Wildman. My name is Miles Bass, CEO and founder of Wildman Web Solutions. Uh, we've started this weekly show, live streaming eleven at or at eleven on Wednesdays, uh, just to answer your questions about business, technology, uh, marketing, or anything else you want to ask us. So. Um, Go ahead and throw your questions in the comments, or you can always email us at at askwildmanwildmanweb.com, and we'll try to get to your questions uh, in the next episode. Uh, With me today, I've got my partner, Mike Hanna. Hello, Mike. Hello, Miles. Good morning. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. Happy to get going here. Yes, indeed. Um, so uh, first of all, I'll go ahead and address the crawler down here below me, uh, sliding across the screen. Um, this is referencing our local business online toolkit we're offering. It's part of our uh, COVID-19 uh, initiative to help businesses in our community either get going in their online presence or empower them to do a little bit uh, more with their existing online presence. Uh, this toolkit comes with tons of great um, Resources, uh, articles, videos, educational resources, um, comes with some free tools uh, for analytics and helping you manage things like uh, reviews and social media, your business listings, SEO information, um, how your ads are working online, uh, everything that you need to get going. So uh, check it out, wildmanweb.com slash LBOT. That's for a free uh, local business online toolkit, and that's totally free for anyone and everyone who wants it.
0: Morning, Jeff. Jeff Fry's in the house. Good morning, sir. He is saying something.
1: He is saying something. (laughs) Thank you for that very helpful, insightful comment, Jeff, as always. (laughs) Uh, But anyone interested who wants to learn about digital marketing um, or wants to ask us a question here, follow Jeff's lead, toss your, uh, your questions in the comments there. I think we're going to get going with a question from the email inbox, um, and that is touching on a rather big topic. So I'd like to dedicate a little bit of a chunk of today towards this topic, and that is SEO, search engine optimization. Um, this is a, a topic we get a lot of questions on. It's it's kind of complicated, um, and it can be very overwhelming for people, uh, especially if you're just getting going. Uh, but basically, search engine optimization is the idea um, that you can leverage your online presence, whether it be your website or your blog or your social media or your business listings, uh, to be better found online when people are searching on search engines like Google or Bing. um, When they type in certain keywords or keyword phrases, they should be landing on you rather than your competitors if you've optimized uh, your online presence for search properly. there's a lot of different ways to do this Um, and you can sink a lot of time money and sanity into seo work if you really want to um and and this rabbit hole really does go down for eternity um so we'll just try to brush the surface here and get you some basic information and get going there are some more articles on this on our website Uh, wildmanweb.com articles um, if you want some more information but i'm going to start with where you should begin on your SEO journey. And that is keywords. Keywords are the terms or phrases that people will type into um, search engines that you want to land on you somehow. Um, So for people like us, if you search for websites or marketing, then you should land on us and other businesses like us. Um, If you are a janitorial service, for example you should uh, be showing up when people are searching for local janitorial services. So to start off in your SEO journey, you definitely want to start off with a little bit of research um, about what keywords are really going to be best for you. Um, The keywords that you think might be right and the things that you think um, you might want people showing up uh, or coming to you for might not be exactly the right keywords. So start off doing some research. Uh, there's lots of tools out there to let you know what keywords are popular what keywords are searched frequently Uh, but even past that there's a couple of different kinds of keywords that you should be looking at new short tail long tail and location based so short tail are the really really uh, focused ones so if we're talking about a uh, let's say this is a pizza shop a short tail keyword would just be pizza you know it's a very very short very specific Uh, or I guess not specific, very general keyword, um, these are going to be very competitive. They're going to be very difficult for you to rank in because you're going to be competing not only against everyone who has anything to do with pizza anywhere around you, but also on the national or even international level. Um, So it might be better off, especially for small businesses, to go a little bit more specific um, and find some less competitive keywords to start off with so you can build your way up to some of those big, short tail keywords. That's where we get a long tail keywords. These are more spe- uh, more specific phrases. Um, so um, maybe you're known for your gluten free crust. So you would type in, uh, you would use a keyword like gluten free crust pizza or family fem- friendly restaurant pizza. Uh, something like this. This would be a little bit more specific, a little bit more tailored to you so that um, one, you're you're working in a less competitive space, and two, you are appealing to the right kind of people and the kind of people that want to find you anyway. Um, and finally, you have location based. So that's going to be uh, gluten-free crust pizza Lawrence, Kansas. And these are just to kind of make that circle that you're you're uh, competing in and make that smaller so you're only competing against the other pizza places in lawrence not necessarily in kansas city or nationally Um, so when people in the lawrence area are searching for pizza in lawrence pizza near me something like that then your your efforts your seo efforts are going to be utilized there rather than being diluted across the entire nation moving on from keywords i want to hit metadata real quick Metadata is information, not on your website, but about your website. It's typically on the back end of your website somewhere. Um, You might have to have your your web developer do this, Um, but if you're on a platform like WordPress or Wix or something like that, Squarespace, um, it it should have a section somewhere for you to edit this metadata. You are looking for two big ones there. That's the um, title and description metadata. The title is just going to be a very short uh, couple of words, kind of title for the page that you're, you're on. Um, it should have your name and it should have probably a couple of the keywords that you're talking about in, uh, that we were just talking about in here. Once you have identified the top keyword, you'll throw that in the title. Um, it's good to put in location-based keywords in that title as well. Description is a little bit more long-winded. There's kind of a debate about how long to make it, but you know this should be a fairly short paragraph, couple of sentences uh, about what your website is, about what that page is specifically. So find that stuff, put as many keywords in there as you can while keeping it in regular sentence format. Don't just list out a bunch of keywords in a non-sentence way. Um, you could get blacklisted for that. Search engines really don't like that. They call that keyword stuffing and it's uh, it's not a good habit to get into. Um, on that note, there is a metadata term called keywords, and it used to be used for keyword stuffing. Basically, you just put a list of all your keywords in there, um, and some different content management systems still have a box for it. I think Squarespace does. I know some WordPress search engine uh, plugins will have that. Don't use it. Um, it's it's deprecated. Uh, search engines don't really use it, and some of them will even docu points for uh, even having something in there. I really don't like the keyword stuffing idea.
0: Miles, can, yep. you, can you back up for a second and just really drive that point home? Because I, I I get asked that question all, all the time. You know, the, people think that they're doing something good for their SEO by putting these keywords uh, around their website. But can you just go back again and, and really drill home exactly what is the do and what is the don't uh, in that scenario? Yeah. So
1: people have yeah, the blanket, not, not the, screw themselves over. <laughs> absolutely. The blanket answer there is authenticity um you want to be real here and ultimately search engines are doing their very best and leveraging the the most powerful technology and algorithms out there to try to deliver the customers who want to find you to you so there's no need to go around the algorithm or try to hack the algorithm or anything like that um if you are putting your best foot forward you are being authentic you are putting your your services out there your proper keywords in context and putting up a good website, a good blog post, a good social media post, whatever it is, then search engines will like that and they will deliver you the right traffic. Um, so don't try to work too hard into SEO and find a way to throw 50 keywords into a 51 word paragraph, put things in regular English, talk to your clients just like you normally would, or your your users, your website visitors, whoever it is, um, you know, put everything in prose format, um, but naturally find your way to these keywords and put these keywords in prominent places. Um, so if you have a, an article you're writing, for example, for your blog, go ahead and put that keyword right in the title. Uh, your search engines are going to look at that stuff first rather than burying it in paragraph four. Um, so focus on these keywords um, and definitely make an effort to utilize them. But don't go so far in that your keyword stuffing or that that becomes your primary focus in your writing. Does that kind of answer that a little bit better? Yeah, yeah that, that,
0: that's crystal clear, I think, for the folks. But if you have a follow-up okay. question, you sure, surely answer it or ask it down below.
1: Yeah. Like I said, the SEO thing, I could just talk about it for, for hours here. That rabbit hole really mm-hmm. goes on for eternity. Um, well, so if well, you let, want me to dive in anything more specifically, well, let, then throw that in the comments.
0: Let me throw in another question then to you, because this is one, that again, that I get all the time, and, and I think that there's some confusion about it. Can you just talk a little bit about uh, the different platforms, uh, web-based platforms, and how that can help or hurt uh, your SEO capabilities?
1: Yeah, uh, sure. There's, there's a lot of different tools out there for website building. Um, obviously, the most powerful or the most popular one is WordPress. Um, but you know, you also have Squarespace, you have Wix, Weebly, um, you have a couple of more advanced coding ones, things like Drupal or Joomla. And then you have some some custom built sites out there. Some of them are just flat HTML. Um, some of them are custom coded web applications. So there's a lot of different ways to go about building a website. Some of them are are better for SEO, and some of them are are less so. Um I'll start with WordPress since that's a super popular one. I think it's like a, a a third of the internet is made up on on WordPress. Um WordPress on its own is not really great for SEO. Um it's a little bit bulky for websites. Um it kind of automatically throws in a bunch of stuff you don't really need. Um uh, performance definitely plays into SEO. If you have a slow website, search so engines won't like that. Uh if you have a website that's bigger than it should be, uh, they they don't really like that, and uh, they'll dock you for that. But WordPress does have some plugins that you can add to um, increase the SEO there and to modify it. And if you put in the right plugins and you configure them properly, then WordPress can actually be an SEO machine. You can do a lot in there um, as far as optimizing your website. Um, and we actually have a full article on this on our website, um, the complete guide to SEO WordPress SEO plugins um, at wildmyweb.com slash articles if you want to go a little bit more into WordPress SEO plugins. Um, moving past that into um, like Squarespace and Wix and those kinds of drag and drop DIY website builders. Um, they typically have a couple of SEO sections. Um, some of them you have to pay for premium features to get to some of those options. Um, but all of them are just going to be kind of limited. Uh, they'll probably allow you to edit some of your metadata, like I was talking about earlier, your title and description. Um, but that's that's probably it. So um, you can work on your text content there and make sure that your text is optimized for your keywords. That your basic metadata, your basic metadata is correct. Um, but that's that's pretty much the extent of what you can do there. Um, they're just they're fine, but they're just a little bit limiting, and you can't go quite as far on. On SEO and optimizing your site for search, um, and then you get some of the more advanced platforms: uh, Laravel, Drupal, or even up to the custom-coded ones. Typically, with these, you're you're probably going to be working with a developer um, that you can talk to with them, because they can have some fairly extensive settings in there. And depending on who you're working with and their um, their search engine optimization capabilities, um, they they may or may not be able to immensely help you there, but. Given that those are really more customizable platforms, uh, you can you can go as far as you want with that. Um, there's kind of an, a, a question as to how effective it is at some point. Like there's a, you know, you, you can't just keep working on this and keep getting better and keep getting better. Eventually, you're just going to have to um, leverage oh the God. fact that you have good content, that your website performs well, and that you get good traffic to your website. Because those Those are the three things that are really going to boost you.
0: Got it. But the bottom line is, it, correct me if I'm wrong, Miles, if, if I'm starting from scratch and, and I'm, I'm trying to pick, you know, which platform I want my website based on, if SEO is a need and a concern for me, I don't want to go the cheaper route and, and have something like a Wix or a Squarespace because I'm going to end up paying more uh, in the long run for the external SEO. In order to uh to get my page up where it needs to be in the search rankings is that is that an accurate yeah
1: assessment? uh yeah that's that's pretty accurate um you know these these platforms are fine they're great they absolutely have their spot um but they are fairly limited as far as optimization um on performance and for search engines uh, there's just there's just not that much you can do with them um so yeah if if getting found on search is going to be a big focus for you then i would suggest going with at least doing a wordpress build if not doing something a little bit um bigger more powerful and working with an agency at that point or with a professional developer Um, but you did mention a point right there that i kind of glossed over that's kind of important the difference between internal and external seo Mm -hmm. um so internal SEO is kind of what I was just talking about. That's optimizing your text content to match your keywords. That's working on your metadata, your website performance, um, you know, doing WordPress plugins, um, working on your social media. These are things that you have direct control over. You can work your keywords in there. You can make sure it performs well, and that's going to help your SEO. There's also external SEO. These are things outside of your own Um, online presence, not your website, not your social media. These are not things that you own. Um, That's gonna be putting um, your business listing up on uh, different business directories or map services um, or third-party data aggregators, people that have information about businesses, uh, making sure that your listings are up there and accurate, pointing to the right website, the right phone number, the right address. Um, That's gonna be the first step in external SEO. Um, getting backlinks, so that means people, reputable sites, um, linking back to your website. So if you have a, a friend that has a, a popular blog or if you have a local business connection um, that can write up something about you or link back to you, um, then that can be a big SEO win on the external side. Um, and these are things that you can do even with uh, those the, the Squarespace or Wix sites. Great stuff. <laughs> All right, well, I think I have uh, beat that one into the ground pretty thoroughly. So we'll take a moment and pause here. Uh, For those of you just joining this is Ask Wildman, we are here to answer your questions about business, technology, marketing, or anything else you wanna ask us. Uh, we're here every Wednesday at 11, uh, just here to answer your questions and be a resource to our community. So if you have any questions about us, uh, about any of this, please um, throw your questions in the comments, um, or you can email us at askwildman at wildmanweb.com. I've got that address right here below me. So. Uh, if you email us there, we'll we'll try to get to your questions next week. Um, we've got a hello. question there. Yeah, we've got oh. a couple new people we've got joining. A hello and a question in there. It's Jackie. Hello. Thanks for joining us. We also Shout have a Shout out to Bird
0: Janitorial there.
1: Absolutely. Great company.
0: Looks like Jeff has a question. What is it? What uh,
1: so we're talking about Facebook being suppressing ah. posts based on content. Uh, Yeah, Mike, I'll let you take that one.
0: (laughs) Sure. So first part of that question, would Facebook be suppressing posts based on our name? Highly unlikely on that one. Uh, They may be suppressing your post, uh, but it may be for other reasons. and, And definitely for that next part of the question, um, we've got denied on a post boost with cannabis photos. So cannabis is one of the banned, uh, products right now on Facebook. Uh, you can't promote cannabis. You can't promote, um, uh, tobacco. You can't promote the, uh, sex industry, uh, anything like that. And so, yes, if you get, uh, if you, you could actually, and I, I don't know, Jeff, you if you want to Uh, Tell us exactly what happened here. But, you know, not only could you get your post removed, but you could possibly get your uh, account shut down. Uh, So I would I would definitely be uh, be wary of that. Uh, Now, certainly there are people in the cannabis space who are using Facebook and Instagram, uh, but you have to be very, very uh, clever about it. Uh, You know, we haven't worked with anybody directly here uh, at Wildman in that space. But I know some people uh, out West on the West Coast who have been working in that space. And basically, you can't show the product. You can't really even talk about the product. You know, uh, you can't make any sort of certain promises of what it will do or not do, or that will get you flagged for sure. Uh, and if you're running ads, uh, like I said, I know people who have had their entire account, uh, ad account shut down, their entire agency ad accounts shut down uh, for, for promoting, uh, cannabis. And so, and so that is something you really got to be careful with. Now, I do think that some of those regulations have started to ease on the CBD side. Uh, and that I've, I've now actually seen some CBD companies, uh, posting, uh, quite a bit of Facebook paid for content, but again, they're not showing the product and they're not making any promises of what the product could do in the actual ad. So if you're doing any of that in your posts, um, I I would definitely refrain from doing that. He uh, says I know of a libertarian page that got shut down over information shared. You know, again, that could be because, you know, in in the political space they are really cracking the whip right now. Uh, you know, even if it's not something that has to do with cannabis, you know, uh, you know, keep those two subjects I guess separate. But o- over in the politics space. Uh, yeah, if you're putting out anything, you know, that could be, uh, you know, unapproved, you know, type of opinions or something like that, the bots will will flag you. And that's the other thing we have to keep in mind right now that since COVID-19 hit, uh, there's, you know, very few actual people uh, monitoring Facebook. They basically sent, you know, everybody home and they're letting the bots try to manage it. Well, that, that caused a whole lot of problems, especially about a month ago where they were just flagging everything and anything in sight, especially if it had to do with politics. So the cannabis thing aside, uh, if, if you're posting politic, political things or, or other people you know have done that and they have been flagged, that could have been that there was something that violated the terms of service agreement, or it could have just been an error from the bots. Uh, and so in any of those cases, I would ask for a manual review. And try to get an actual person at Facebook to look at that. Now, if a person at Facebook actually looks at that, and sometimes you can actually get them on the phone, and they can walk you through, you know, what the do's and the and the don'ts were uh, in that post and why it got flagged, uh, we'll certainly listen to their advice and uh, and and don't put anything out there that they don't want you to do. Unfortunately, it's their platform, their private company, and they can make the rules and we can abide by them or not, and not use the platform. Uh, but yeah, you, you said it was just a, a leaf photo. I would definitely not have any kind of, uh, cannabis photos or, or anything like that. Uh, and even be careful of what you link to in the post because, uh, that could certainly also get, uh,
1: get flat. So, uh,
0: does that answer your question there, Jeff?
1: up. And if anyone has any other questions, uh, like I said earlier, um, throw them in the comments or email us askwildmanweb.com, askwildman follow us. Uh, I've got our uh, handle right here below me at wildman web. Uh, we'll be here every Wednesday at 11 doing this show um, and answering everyone's questions. Um, if that's covered that last question, uh, Mike, do you want to move on to our next uh, our inbox email inbox question? Uh, yep. Looks like Jeff says we got the,
0: got that question answered for him. So yeah, I'm sorry you're, you're dealing with those issues, Jeff, but I, I would just uh, err on the side of caution and, and again, try to get a, a, a manual review if anything actually does get flagged. Okay. Uh, yeah. Miles, what, what do you got next?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, we've got an email inbox question. I think it's going to be targeted for you, so you get to keep talking. Oh, wow. Your, your favorite thing, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. The only <other laughs> um, thing I'm good we're at. We're going to be talking a little bit about retargeting. Uh, we've gotten a couple of different questions about that um, mm-hmm. recently, just people asking what it is and how they can leverage it. Uh, so can you just start at a real high level? Uh, sure. What it is for people.
0: <clears throat> yeah. So the basic idea of retargeting is you know, when somebody engages with our business, uh, a lot of times, you know, 95% plus percent of the time, if we're talking about a website visit, they don't do what we actually want them to do. They don't convert, i.e. we don't make a sale. Uh, We don't get them to sign up for the event that we want them to do, you know, whatever the call to action is uh, that's, what's known as the conversion. And so the main point of retargeting is taking cold traffic and cold traffic just means people who aren't, you know, currently engaging your content. They don't really know who you are. They don't have a purpose. Uh, to do business with you, but they may have a need for you, right? So they they see an ad, they usually click, uh, they go to your website. It's cold traffic at that point. They're like, who are these people? What do they do? Why do I need them, right? Uh, So that's obviously hard to convert compared to warm or hot traffic where people know who you are. uh, They understand what you do. They understand what you can do for them. And at some point, they're ready for you to do that and do business with you. Uh, and so that's what really what we're trying to do in, in just a, a a base sense with retargeting is we're trying to take cold traffic and we're trying to turn it into warm traffic and eventually hot traffic and of course eventually uh, an actual sale and and you know the easiest way to think about this is just you know the good old-fashioned classic buying funnel you know where you have a state of unawareness a state of awareness a state of conviction and a state of action uh, and so that's what we're trying to do with retargeting and you know, back in back in the day um, you know in the in the traditional media world I where I come from you know before we had this beautiful advanced internet and things like social media uh, in traditional media the rule of thumb was a frequency of three and frequency you know is just the number of times that your audience is going to see your message right and so the old rule of thumb was in order to be efficient in order to stay at top of mind you needed at least three times Touches every week with that audience. You needed them to see your ad three times, and the reason that was because you had to cut through all the clutter, right? Excuse me, one second. <laughs> so back in the day, <laughs> there were studies that showed the average American saw five thousand different advertising messages every single day. If you think about that, that's like, what? that's astounding. Okay. But think about it. Every single shirt, right? What am I wearing now? An Adidas shirt. I'm wearing a hat. You know, there's things behind me, right? Every place that we look in the world around us, there's some sort of logo or marketing message, right? So the course of going through your day in 16, 20, 24 hours, you would rack up on average 5,000 different messages. So that's why the frequency of three is so important in order to keep top of mind awareness, keep your audience knowing Liking and trusting you the best over your competition, right? Well, extrapolate that into today's world, where everybody's online, and then we still also have, you know, a whole prevalence of advertising messages in the real world that are around us. So I haven't seen any hard data on this in several years, but I imagine that five thousand a day uh, messages the average American sees is more like ten thousand now. I mean, it's just it's so cluttered. So we also have to think that frequency of three number is probably a little outdated too. And that probably needs to be, well, maybe even double. And, and so that brings us back to retargeting and why it's so important. Uh, and there's a couple different you know main ways to go about it. Most of the time when we think about retargeting today, we're talking about digital advertising and we're talking about uh, putting a pixel on somebody's website usually. And again, trying to get cold traffic And then send messages back to them wherever they go on the internet. So if I send an ad, ad, you think, hey, this is great. You click on it. You go to my website. But then eh, you get distracted or you weren't quite sold or it wasn't quite time for you to buy that. And you go on with your life, right? 95% of the time, you're going to forget all about me. But with that pixel, what that allows me to do is that allows me to track that person anywhere they go on the internet. And then I can serve them ads again. And I can remind them and I can keep bringing them down through the buying funnel, uh, the stages of awareness into an actual sale in the final stage of conviction. Uh, And so, so many uh, small business owners in particular are making this mistake by not putting a strong retargeting plan in their advertising platform because it's costing them gobs of money because they're spending all this money to get the cold traffic wherever they want it to go. And then it's not converting at a rate that is gonna bring in a proper ROI. And so we, from the very get go, whenever we build out an ad campaign, you wanna have some sort of method of retargeting there. Uh, Some other ways that we do a lot of retargeting for clients, you know, on social media, uh, you can retarget people who watch certain percentages of the video content that you put out. You can retarget people who click uh, on your ads, who like your ads, who share your ads, who engage your ads. You know, there's all kinds of ways to do that through your social media content. Uh, And so it's not just through the website uh, that you need to be doing this. And then, uh, you know, there's the non-digital space and the way that we can retarget people there. And I don't think that uh, enough people are, you know, gathering email addresses and and things like that from physical uh, patrons, from people who are coming into their place of business uh, and then able to retarget them through an email list or using that email list contacts to create custom audiences uh, inside Facebook and Instagram and, and retargeting that way. So there's a lot of different ways uh, of retargeting, but the uh, the, main, the main point I'm trying to get across here is that it has to be part of your marketing plan uh, or you're just going to have a big hole uh, where you're spending a lot of money and probably not getting as good of results as you could have or should have.
1: Yeah, so uh, taking this one step farther and addressing some of the questions coming up in the comments here, oh, um, yeah, I see those. Okay. what's an executable <laughs> that you can give to someone right here, right now, they just heard you talk about the retargeting, they're interested, they like the idea, they're ready to go, what's the next step? What's something that they can take and, and do today uh, regarding that strategy?
0: Okay. Well, if, if they're currently if they're currently running ads and they, they aren't retargeting right now, uh, that would be the, the thing that I would certainly implore them to do, uh, and that would just be to create a pixel. Uh, you know, if you're running Facebook ads or if you're running Google ads, uh, you know, whatever the platform you're using or both, uh, and putting that on on the relative pages of your website. Now, there's uh, a couple different a couple different ways to do this, but uh, basically, if you want to get really technical. Uh, you can make different pixels for different parts of your business. You know, if you have, um, you know, kind of three different profit centers uh, that are completely different there's not a lot of overlap in them, well, maybe you want to make three different pixels. Maybe you just need one pixel for your entire business. Uh, That's kind of on a case by case business basis, but uh, certainly, yeah, if you're running traffic right now to something like a website and you don't have a pixel set up, that would be the number one thing uh, that I would stress people do immediately. Uh, The second thing is if you are putting out content, uh, video or otherwise, and you're not retargeting those uh, on whatever platform you're using, that would be step two. Uh, and I guess the third thing I would say is is trying to get uh, a way to collect data uh, from people who are coming into your physical place of business, which right now is is maybe non-existent. So maybe it's a good time to get this in place. Uh, but you know something that Miles, that of course we do for a lot of clients in order to help them out with this is You know, if you're a place that people go and they spend some time and they get on the Internet, you know, a coffee shop, a restaurant or something like that. uh, There are great products out there where you can provide them free Wi-Fi, whether in your place of business. All they have to do is opt in uh, with their contact info. Uh, And then, of course, that's a way that we can follow up them with email marketing or maybe uh, ask them to leave a review uh, in a way that we can boost our reviews. You know, there's all kinds of ways that we could also tie that in uh, beyond Retargeting, But those are the kind of the three things that I would do today, uh, depending on where you're at. And if you're not running any ads or doing anything like that, okay, well, just know that when you're ready to do that, uh, whoever you choose, or if you try to do it yourself, that you need to have a comprehensive strategy where retargeting is a, is a huge part of it. Looks like we've got awesome. some other questions in there too.
1: Yeah, I think there's one good one on here. I think we can, we can hit. Um, what do we want to accomplish on Twitter and how to measure results? So I think we can take that a little bit broader. Um, you know, what are the success metrics for the main social media platforms? What should people really be trying to do? Um, I know there's a lot of vanity metrics that don't really make much of a difference, and this answer will kind of vary from industry to industry, uh, whether you're a restaurant or your organization like like Jeff's here who asked this. Um, you're going to want to look for different metrics there. Uh, what are your thoughts on specifically Twitter, and then maybe moving outside that a little bit?
0: Yeah, well, it's an, it's entirely based, Jeff, on on what what are your key goals? You know, what what is what is your key performance indicators, uh, your KPI? In uh, you know, for you knowing a little bit about your business, you know, how I would use Twitter is I would use Twitter to put out information in a newsworthy source, as a newsworthy source, I should say, uh, to gain credibility uh, with, with your following. You know, Twitter is not as good as a as a transactional base as Facebook. And it's not quite as great of a branding tool as Instagram. You know, it's, it's kind of in the middle. So it, it, it's a little bit of a unique outliner in terms of the different platforms. But the thing that it really excels at is it is a place that people go for news and information. And so, especially being an, uh, a nonprofit organization like yourself that's in the political sphere, which, which politics is, is super hot on Twitter, uh, that's what I would be doing, is just trying to put out, it, whether it's my own you know organic content that you're putting out or just sharing uh, other trusted sources uh, that, that you believe in on Twitter, that, that's what I would try to do there. I don't think Twitter is, is necessarily a place that you're going to drive a lot of conversions. Uh, but that doesn't mean that you can't try, you know, and it, and it goes back a little bit to I think what we talked about last week is making sure that you're giving three, four five times the value to your audience as you're asking for in return. And on Twitter, I would say that you need to even extend that out a little bit more uh, because, like I said, it's not typically a really conversion uh, based heavy platform not to, not to say you can't get conversions and there aren't people that aren't crushing on Twitter uh, because they certainly are. but it, if I were you, I would take a just a more of a informational uh, leader, you know type of a of a position where I'm putting out credible information, I'm putting out valuable information, and I'm just asking you to follow it uh, and uh, keep engaged with what I'm doing and not necessarily try to convert them right there on the platform. But there may be a way that you could funnel those people into your email list or, or something else that you could get them into a place where you could have that frequency over time uh, and get them to join or whatever your in-conversion goal is. Um, does it do anything to do offer a premium gift? Uh Certainly, if, if I'm understanding that question correct, Jeff, uh, I mean, yeah, it, it would do something in the sense that it could bring more value for your audience, which could in turn get you more engagement, which in turn will make you more favorable uh, on the platform's algorithm. So, you know, that, that's that's what I would say. Uh, it would be the, you know, is, is Twitter or another platform directly going to recognize that and, and and give you some sort of boost? Not necessarily but if your audience is responding to that uh, then certainly yeah that would help you in the platform Uh, and then what is the cost to do
1: one more point on that
0: question go ahead Uh,
1: outside of just the platform analytics and everything but the the memberships and services that i've seen that uh, have been effective with handing out an actual gift with membership um, have really been leveraging a, a sense of exclusivity with it so when you join, you get this special thing. You get this special T-shirt or hat or mug or whatever, and that makes you one of us. That makes you part of the club, part of the in crowd, um, and and kind of leveraging that exclusivity feeling uh, helps them to drive membership conversions as as part of their marketing strategy. Yeah, hundred percent. So that's definitely a benefit to doing that um, if you really want to leverage that uh, that particular strategy. All right. Well, we're coming up on actually just past 40 minutes for this show. So I think we're probably going to wrap it up here.
0: Yeah. Let me, let me Um, just uh, quickly answer that last question, Jeff. What, in case somebody else is wondering that, uh, what kind of cost does the pixel strategy involve? I think is this question. Uh, and so that's completely determined on what your overall, uh, budget is how much traffic you're able to generate, uh, and uh what your goals are you know but uh, you know obviously with the retargeting it it's it's predicated on the traffic the traffic that we can get so that's the first step is you know it the more traffic you're bringing in well theoretically then the the pixel strategy is going to cost less uh if you're not able to bring in a lot of traffic to your website well it's going to be a struggle uh to retarget uh that with the pixel but my main point uh with the pixel and the retargeting strategy in general is that without that in your campaign, you're going to spend way more money for less results than if you have it in the campaign. So, uh, while the actual, you know, variables will, will of course change from campaign to campaign, uh, generally speaking, it's going to increase your return on investment, uh, tremendously. All right. That's all I had. Miles,
1: awesome. Yeah, definitely. Um, And if we didn't get to anything that you wanted us to cover today, um, please shoot your email, uh, shoot your question over to our email, askwildmanatwildmanweb.com. We'll try to get to it next week, as this is a weekly show. Uh, We're on here uh, every Wednesday at eleven. Mike and I answering your questions about technology, business, marketing, uh, or anything else you want to talk about. So, thanks for everyone who tuned in today. Uh, Thanks, Jeff, for all those awesome questions. Um, And we will see you again next week. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, thanks, Miles.
0: Thanks for listening to Ask Wildman. Send us a question for next week's show at askwildman at wildmanweb.com.